0: Father, we just thank you for the time that you just uh, meet our needs. And we just thank you for your answers to prayer. We thank you for those answers that you provide for us, Lord. Sometimes you provide an answer that we don't expect. But yet we know that you are listening and you are there for us. We pray now that you will just open our hearts and minds to what the Spirit has to say to us. And we give you praise and thanks and all of these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I got the call this morning to bring a message, and so I'm going to bring a message. So I'm going to pray and trust the Spirit is speaking, and everything is being said. When uh, earlier this well, last week, what I had done, I had to go get my license renewed at uh, at the license bureau. And you, know, you have to go stand in line, go through the process, and then you know that you're going to have to pay money to get that license renewed. And basically what they give you is a sticker. That's all they give you. They give you a sticker and a registration, a piece of paper that tells you, well, that means you can drive for at least another year or two depending upon how much you want to pay. And you pretty much are going to spend 50 bucks to do it but there's an implied lesson in that, that what you get is what you've paid for. Amen? And there's an expectation is that when you put that sticker on your car it's going to mean something as far as you're being valid for driving. Well, that goes even one step further when it comes down to food that you buy. There's a certain implied quality in the food that you purchase. Now when you go to Giant Eagle or Heinen's or Acme or whatever it is, and you go and buy some meat, for example, there's different grades of meat that you can purchase. And it's basically inferred upon the quality of that meat that you're buying, that you're paying more money for that quality. So the expectation is that you buy some meat there, you're going to have a certain value that comes back to you when you actually cook it and eat it. There's a certain taste appreciation and all that. It's very simple you can compare going to a fast food restaurant and buying a burrito at a certain establishment that the quality of the meat that you buy at that place is the same quality that you buy at the grocery store. I thought that was funny. You didn't think that was funny? When you go to a certain place and you're spending 99 cents for a taco. The meat that you buy in that taco, I guarantee you, is not ground chuck. <laughs> what you get is what you pay for. It. That's a quality issue. And you know when you've had good meat, when you've had the meat and you tasted it and you've cooked it, and you go, ooh, that is delicious. And you can't replicate that at a fast food restaurant. Well, when we talk about quality being important, and getting what you pay for, if someone were to look at your life as a believer, what would they see? Would they see a quality in the way you live, a quality in the way that you're behaving, or would they see something of a lesser quality? Let's talk about believers, for example. Believers come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. Amen? The body of Christ has many different members. Amen? There are many different people who are in the body. But not all people in the body, when it comes to their spiritual growth and faith, are alike. And how do I know that? Because Scripture refers to it. Scripture makes reference to that. It doesn't mean that they don't have salvation. It doesn't mean they don't have an understanding of the basics when it comes to Jesus Christ. But there are different stages of development of a believer. There's a different quality in that person. Let's take a look at an example of that. Turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews 5. We're going to look at verses. Let's start with verse 11. Now, one of the key words, your Bible may actually even make a reference to this, too. I use the word quality to set this up. But let's call it what it is. There are believers who are mature. And there are believers who are immature. Now, immaturity can have a negative connotation to it. The negative connotation really only matters if you have been a believer for a long time. If you're a new believer, I don't expect a new believer to know anything about what it takes to follow Christ. But if you've been a believer and proclaimed to be a believer for 45 years, and you're still immature, that's a problem. Let's take a look at what verse 11 says. We have a great deal to say about this, and it's difficult to explain, since you have become slow to understand. Verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need to send someone to teach you again the basic principles of God's revelation. You need milk, not solid food. I look at verse 13. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But look at verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. So what is this saying here? This is saying that as a new believer, you are still having to learn all the things necessary to be able to know when to make good choices. Knowing good and evil, understanding, discernment. you're still learning about discernment, making the right choices, making the right decisions that will allow you to grow as a believer. This is where many people get stuck. And the reason they get stuck is because they can't do anything more than a baby does, drink milk. They can't take solid food. And sometimes it's self-imposed. If you go to a church and all you're getting is milk every Sunday, you're not going to grow. There comes a point where you have to have the hard discussions with people about how are you growing in your belief of Jesus Christ? Where is your development as a believer? And you can make a choice... To be a baby. Because you don't want any substance. You can make a choice to say, well, I want to read certain parts of Scripture because I want to hear what the truth really is. And as absurd as that sounds, you may know someone who has that belief, that philosophy. So that person already has an understanding of what the truth is and just doesn't want to acknowledge it. That's a baby in Christ. You need to take ownership as a believer and find a way to progress in your faith and challenge yourself to do so. Pastor Gus and I can spoon-feed you information all the time and tell you this is what you need to do. But who is it up to to actually do that? It's you. It's up to you to do it. We can talk all day, talk all the time, blah, 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 say all kinds of things to you. And you can walk out of here and and just forget everything we said. Because that's your choice to do so. Because either you don't think we have credibility as people who speak before the Lord, or we don't live our lives a certain way, and you'll make that decision on your own and say, you know what, I don't really care what so-and-so says. I'm going to live my life the way I want to. But is that growing in Christ when you do that? So it's your choice. It's your decision. I'm not going to twist your arm about it. You make the decision to do that if you want to do it. If you are truly following and wanting to grow in your relationship with Christ, there has to be a quality that emerges from your life where there's progression. An athlete who trains, for example, in sports, I saw a Woodridge Bulldogs football shirt on, so I thought of this immediately. If you want to play football, you better get yourself in shape. Amen. Amen? You can't go out there and lollygag around in practice, you know, fake doing your push-ups, not do your jumping jacks, do these half-jumping jacks like this, and expect to be fully trained. Somebody will go out there, you go out in somebody will knock you out of your behind, and you don't even know what hit you. That's if you get on the field at all. If the coach is paying attention to you, you've got to train. Training is a necessity when it comes to sports. Amen? Now, you guys know this. You know you can't get out there and get on TV and be gagging up and down the field without training, hard work. You don't see all that stuff. The sacrifice... The sweat. The energy. If you're going to grow as a believer, you've got to put some energy into it. You have to put some sweat equity into your faith in the process. You have to challenge yourself to do the very things that an athlete has to do. Even Scripture uses the same analogy. I beat my body and work at it to get the job done. Even scripture gives athletic references. You've got to train for something. It says to train your child up in the Lord, for this is right. Training. It's a regimen. Over and over and over. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Training. If you want quality, you need to train for it. Otherwise, you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. Here's some questions you should honestly ask yourself. Can you honestly say to yourself that you are making progress in your relationship with Jesus Christ? That's a question only you can answer. If you were to ask yourself that question, how would you answer it? Are you making progress in your relationship? Is there quality? Notice how the word quality time comes up. Quality time. Are you spending quality time in the word? I was really encouraged by those individuals who are holding up their Bibles and their phones that have the Bible in them and the iPad and the Nook and all those devices Look at how many different ways you can put scripture in front of you. Now, you can do all those things, do you look at it? Not just when you're called upon, but now when you're doing it on your own. Just like an athlete has to train sometimes year-round to play a season of sports, that's on them to do that. Regular training, regular reading, quality time with your Lord. Amen? Quality time. Not just time because somebody tells you to do it. Time because you want to put something into it, because you want to get something out of it. Quality time. If others were to observe your behavior or even comment on it, Would there be a visible progression in your relationship with Jesus Christ? In other words, now you can ask yourself that question, but what do other people see in you? Do they see somebody who talks a good game? Or do they see a life that is living for Jesus Christ? What do they see? What would they see? Do they see the fruits of your time? Because that's what we would see. It's not my job or place to tell anybody they don't know the Lord. Amen? It's not my responsibility. I'm not going to come up and say, so-and-so, you don't know the Lord. You're just joking around. It's not my place. This message is, though, for believers who are serious about growing in the Lord. If you're serious about it, there's got to be some fruit that comes from it. Now, if you haven't reflected on either of these questions, then how do you know where you are? There should be a self-analysis that all of us should be taking, undertaking when it comes to our progress and our growth. And you know why that is? Because if you understand your relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the natural thing to do. You want to grow in your relationship with Christ. If you're not asking those questions, then you don't really know where you are in Christ. You've got to have a basic knowledge of that. That's like the... You're like somebody like... You're like one of those gerbils in a cage who runs around on those little things that just keeps going and going and going and they're doing it but you're not going anywhere. It's strictly for entertainment value because I don't know how you can have a dribble as a pet in the first place. You're just looking at him and he's looking at you. And he's on this treadmill that just goes and goes and goes. Well, is that your life in Christ? as a member of the body of Christ, and as a member of Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, you're going to have difficulty if you don't understand who you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're going to have difficulty in a lot of things. You're going to have difficulty in getting something meaningful out of a Bible study. You're going to have difficulty in even understanding the importance of Sunday school. You're going to have trouble with sermons. Because somebody will talking to you, you won't know what to think. Your relationship with Christ is an intimate relationship that only you can express and experience. I can't do it for you. Pastor Gus can't do it for you. Your brother and sister can't do it for you. Your mama and daddy can't do it for you. That's all you. Do you know what your role is in a church? Do you know what your gifts are? Do you know what God has given you in spiritual gifts or talents? Are you aware of any of this stuff? If you're not aware of those things, you need to find out what they are. Because if you find out what they are, you might exactly f- actually find out how God is going to use you. now as a babe in Christ you won't have any idea of that stuff you won't have a desire to know that stuff you'll be just listening to verses like God is good or saying God is good Jesus wept and that's about it the key to all of this is learning about Jesus Christ and developing your relationship with him When we're talking about learning about our spiritual gifts, and maybe even what your role is in the body of Christ, you're looking for a defining role as to who you are in Christ. Who is the person that God created? Who are you? Can you answer that question? Do you know who you are in Christ? Some believers may go their entire lives trying to figure out what their role is. That's a shame. their entire lives just showing up in church because well because they were told to do so because that's going to get them supposedly brownie points with God because they're coming to church that's tragic that's tragic but I'm going to trust you're not that person you're not here because somebody told you to be here. You're here because you want to be here. Amen? Amen. Now, I've got to leave the kids out of this because usually the, the parents have to bring the kids here because sometimes the last thing the kids want to do is be here. Amen? Amen? Kids, tell the truth. That's okay. It's all right because you have to be trained Amen. to learn what this is about. There's a training taking place. And that training, I'll use the football analogy again. There are certain things in training in football you don't want to do, but you've got to do them. It's training. You do things not because you want to do them, because if the flesh is involved, you won't do it. Amen? If, you, if the flesh is involved, you're not going to do the stuff you need to do. You train because you know you need to do it for an end result that's going to help you to be able to become a better person in Christ. That's why you do it. We need to ask ourselves the questions that we've maybe avoided. Sometimes we don't ask these questions because there is a fear of the unknown. Amen? Faith is essentially overcoming the fear of the unknown. If you really think about it. We have a promise of salvation. We have a promise of eternal life. But, when it comes right down to it, faith is to counteract this fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown will sometimes keep us in a paralysis. You ever heard that word before? Paralysis? You can't do anything. You can't move. A paralysis of not looking at where we are and how we can improve ourselves. how do we improve ourselves? We have to face the fear of the unknown. Face it. Deal with it. Perhaps we're fearful of what others will say about us. It's not easy being a kid today. Amen? I would not want to grow up in this age when it comes to dealing with kids in high school, kids in junior high school, elementary school, it starts early these days. If you take a stand for Christ in school, you're a marked person. You have to have a lot of courage. And that's why many don't do it, because of peer pressure or even reprisals. Satan would prefer that each of us never reaches our full potential as believers. Let me repeat that one more time. This is whether you're a child or whether you're an adult. Satan does not want any one of us to grow in Christ. Understand that. You have an enemy who very willingly will do things to you and maybe even laugh about it. Well, you just fall away. You don't follow the Lord. You don't want to do this stuff. You don't want to train. You don't want to live that quality life. Well, I know one thing. You start listening to Satan, you better know where he's coming from. Turn to John chapter 8. Be very, very conscious of who Satan is. A lot of people make jokes about Satan. Saying Satan is, uh, uh, we're going to have a party when we get together after I'm gone. We're going to go down and we're going to be in hell and party with the Lord, party with Satan rather together and just look at the Lord and laugh or whatever it is. You won't hear any more foolish talk than that. Because that means you, not only do you not have any idea about who Jesus Christ is, You don't even know who Satan is. And so you're living a life of delusion. But it says in my Bible, if you look at who Satan is, if you want to go and party with him, then you are going to be a member of the Liars Club with him. Verse 44, you are of your father the devil, John 8, 44, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has not stood in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. Check that out again. There is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature. Because he is a liar and the father of liars. So who is Satan? Father of liars. So one of the first things that you should be learning as a believer is don't listen to what Satan says to you. If Jesus Christ is in truth and Satan is the father of liars and there's no truth in him, there's a very basic place to start your growth. Unfortunately, we're in the flesh. Guess what? Satan's right there with you. Is it easier for us to believe Satan's lies or to trust in the Lord? That's a question that you have to answer. If we're to accurately assess where we are in our fellowship with God through Jesus Christ, we've got to be able to measure it. We've got to measure the progress in the quality of our Christian life. It's not a difficult process to measure where we are. There are basic tenets that we need to use in determining where we are in this area. Now, you can add some points within these basic doctrines, but I've I've examined three particular areas that should be at the forefront of any measurement of our assessment. Number one, your level of obedience to God through his word. I'll give you number one again. Your level of obedience... To God through his word starts with that if you're really growing in the Lord you're obedient to his word that was only like two amens if you know if you're being obedient to God's word you're gonna have greater fellowship with him amen well look what's the opposite of that if you're not obedient to God's word we don't need to have this discussion you're not gonna grow in Christ Understanding Jesus Christ enough to believe that his word is truth is a great starting point. Because now if you believe it's truth, you're going to want to seek that truth. And not listen to what Satan has to say. Remember, Satan wants you to live your old life. Satan wants you to go back to the way things were before you became a believer. Most of you know where that is. Most of you remember what that means. But you understand that being obedient to God now that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ is more important than that. You understand the quality of your life is way different now than it was before. Amen? The quality of your life. Old things pass away. All things become new. You understand that. Number two, growing with the knowledge of God through His Word. You don't get it in one day, you don't get it in one minute. It takes time. It takes practice, it takes effort, it takes working out your mind physically by growing in his word, which means you have to have a regular routine to do that. For those of you who are joggers, I don't know if there's any joggers here, but I think you're insane already, because you have to get up every day and make a determination in all kinds of weather, you're going to go run for three or four miles. So I think you're crazy. Amen. I'm just being honest. But what does that take? It takes a regular routine every day saying, I'm going to do this because I'm going to get in shape or I'm going to do it for whatever reason you do it, whatever craziness it is, God bless you. But that's a regular routine. Every day. Every day. Well, I challenge you. Every day, guess what you should be doing when it comes to your Bible? Every day. No excuses, people. You want to grow in your relationship with the Lord? Read the Bible every day. Every day. Because you're training. Because you're developing. Because you're growing. I promise you, every day you do it, if you're doing the things you should be doing and meditating on the Word, you're going to get something out of it. You can't get anything out of a book that's closed or by iPad turned off. Well, I'm carrying around with you, but I'm not looking at it. You're not going to get anything out of that. Number three, peaking with understanding of God and His Word. Peaking with it. You're reaching a point where there is a quality in your life that you can see because of your regular fellowship with God through His Word. For an athlete, the peak is when you're out on the field and you're performing at a high level and you're doing what you need to do to help your team win. We need more people like that in the body of Christ. Amen. we got a bunch of sideline folks in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Folks that ain't doing nothing. Just sitting and watching somebody else do something. Let so-and-so do that. I know he's busy already. You know, true Lord will eventually do something else. But I know he can do it better than I could. we got enough of people on the sidelines. We need people who want to get in the game, man. Do something in the body. If the body of Christ is edifying other members, helping other members, doing things, knowing what your talents and gifts are and your abilities are, that's where you're making a contribution. You know what Judy Sue used to do? Now, you know Judy most of you know who Judy Sue is. Judy Sue was, she was a person who used her talents and gifts and abilities to help out, even though she was in a wheelchair. Encourager. She worked with art. She did um, the, the placards for tables at the Rainbow Tea. That's Judy Sue. we got folks that have way more ability to get up and run around and do stuff that didn't do anything like what she did. But she knew who she was in Christ. She knew what her gifts are. She knew what her talents were. She read the word. She understood it. She was an encourager. That's what we need. That's how you're growing. That's how you're developing. And She would have been the first to tell you that. Notice how the three points I reference specifically refer to God's word in your life. How do we know about God? How do we learn about God in the first place? We learned about God in the first place because we had to have some sort of exposure to God's word. Amen. You learned about God because you had to be exposed to it at some point. Fair enough? Amen. How do you come to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior? We learned about the good news through exposure and reflection upon God's Word. God's Word's the key there, too. How do we learn more about what God's Word has to say to us? By reading and studying God's Word on a regular basis. So, if I were to sum up this entire message, you're going to grow in the Lord the more you expose yourself to God's Word and trust God and believe it's true in your life you can't help but grow you can't help but grow so god speaks to us and we communicate back with him go to second chronicles 7:14 second chronicles Now, I understand that this is an example of prayer, and this is certainly not the only example of prayer in Scripture. There are many different ones, but I want you to understand the value of prayer in this whole growth process that you're undertaking as a believer in Jesus Christ. Understand what prayer is and what it means. It says in verse 14 of 2 Chronicles 7, And my people who are called by my name humble themselves. Notice that humility is a factor in prayer. Amen? You can pray selfish prayers all you want to. Guess what? God's not going to hear them. Amen? Why all so quiet? You mean if I pray for a car in a selfish way, God's not going to hear that prayer? is how you do it. Humility is the key. You may have a desire or a need for a car. But now, do you want a car that will get you from place to place? Or do you want a Grand Torino? Or do you want something that is way above and beyond your means? Because you want to look stylish. And we have adults that have that problem. Amen. Amen. So let's, let's let's just break it. Let's just be real about this. You 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 got folks that will be praying for a car. They, they want this biggest the biggest thing they can find, and later on, they're going to have to get it repossessed because they can't afford it anyway. Humility really is a byproduct of your prayer and my people who are called by my name humble themselves. Notice it says people who are called by my name. In other words, these are believers. These are people who are supposed to understand who God is. Amen? That's what you should be doing. Called called by my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Notice the conditions in this. Prayer has a conditional factor to it. Humility. Sincerely seeking Him. Turning from sin. Don't expect God to answer your prayer if sin is all in your life. Then becomes a selfish prayer. That's key. That's how you grow. You're going to see God respond to your humble prayers. You're turning from sin. You're moving away from those things that trip you up. You're actually seeking the Lord's help in not doing it again. That's what prayer is. That's how you begin to understand and recognize when we talk about this abundant life. What's an abundant life? Abundant life is when you are growing in the Lord. You see the Lord working through everything you're doing. And I mean everything. In the big things and in the small things. In the big things and in the small things. You know you're growing as a person, for example. If somebody who used to tick you off and say something to you, now you just blow it off. Whereas before you'd have gotten angry when to get in a fight with somebody. Amen? That's growth. That's the flesh being overcome, just in that one example. Because you know you're better than that. You don't have to go to that level. You don't have to sink to that level. You know you're growing when you don't start swearing at people. When you start talking. That's growth. Y'all well, know what I'm talking about. Amen? You live in a different life. You're recognizing God working in every aspect of your life. In sports, you win, you lose. Amen? It happens. But how you win and lose is how you grow. You win graciously. You win with humility. You want to win. But you also learn how to lose. You learn how to lose. Because Christ is most important in the testimony. And you recognize that. I love organizations like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Because they emphasize... Athleticism, grace, performing at a high level, all those things are not compromised because you follow Christ. The very nature of what we are supposed to be doing as believers in the body embodies what they talk about. Performing at a high level, doing the best that you can do, putting the effort into it. Anything that you put a partial effort into, guess what's going to come back? A partial effort. Same thing with being a believer. God wants you to have a relationship with Him that grows. Amen? He wants you to grow in your relationship with Him. He loves you. Any love relationship that you've ever been in, you would expect to see growth, progression. It doesn't stay in the same place it was before. Because that's not growing. And what happens if it stays in the same place, it dies. He wants you to grow. He doesn't want you to inhibit your growth with sin. Or other forms of disobedience. God wants us to be obedient to his word because that means we love him. And we understand what that means. So let's conclude. Your growth in Jesus Christ comes down to your commitment to Christ. Understanding what he did for you on the cross starts there. You acknowledge that. You accepted Christ as Savior. But now it's a commitment. It's a commitment. You don't want to be an infant the rest of your life when it comes to your knowledge about Christ. You want a quality life. That quality life... Starts with you're treating God's word as the most important thing to you than anything else. Amen. It is the most important thing. It's more important than everything. But a lot of people get mixed up by that. They think, well, if I'm treating God's word as the most important thing, what about everything else I do? That's the beauty of it. God wants you to be who you are. In Jesus Christ. Be who you are. Live your life. Play football. Play golf. Go work hard. Do your job. But do your job with all you have. Live for Christ in whatever you do. Be obedient to his word. Grow in the knowledge of His Word. Peak with the understanding of His Word. If you're praying to Him and seeking Him, all of those things are going to happen. Amen? They're all going to happen. It's going to happen. But just like the 99 cent taco, you get what you pay for. You'll get out of it what you put into it. You'll get out of it what you put into it. And don't just take my word for it. Go back and look at scripture and see what it says. That's what we all need to do. Amen? You get out of it what you put into it. If you're obedient to God's word, he will respond to you. He will respond to you. He will hear you. He will protect you. He will cover you. He will do so many things that you cannot even imagine. Starting with obedience to his word. Seeking his face. Humbling yourself. Turning from your evil ways. I will hear them, hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. Amen. Father, we just thank you for the message of truth that you present to us. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to see how we can live a quality life through you. How we can live in such a way, Lord, where we honor you. We understand that we're going to get into this whole thing, what we put into it. And you're going to give us benefits if we just trust in you and trust in what your word has to say to us. We thank you for your reassurance of the word. We thank you for your presence. We ask that you bless us, Lord, and help us to take our lives as we live them right now and just find a way to even grow in our relationship with you and enhance our life tremendously because we trust in you and what you say to us. We give you thanks and praise for all these things in Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to uh, prepare now to go. I think, are we going to do this first, or do? Yeah, do this first. We're going to go to the table first. If you like to?